Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Christina Eanes, the owner of Eanes Training, as well as a chapter past president and a fellow member of the pod squad here. Hey, everyone. I am Stephanie Hupka. I'm the managing partner at Protos Learning, a chapter past president just like Chris. And I'm also a member of the pod squad here at the Metro DC chapter of ATD. We also have our producer, Helena Hodges. Now for this episode, we're interviewing Matt Abrahams. Welcome, Matt. Hey, I'm excited to be with both of you. Thanks so much. We are happy you are here. Um, now, before we jump into our topic of the same title of your book, Think Faster, Talk Smarter, can you share a little bit about yourself with our listeners and viewers? Yeah, absolutely. So I am uh, someone who is passionate about communication. I think communication is so critical for success in our personal lives and our professional lives. I teach at Stanford's Graduate School of Business. I've been there about 13 years, and I also host a podcast, Think Fast, Talk Smart, wrote a book, Think Faster, Talk Smarter, not very creative with names, uh, and, and, and do a lot of, uh, of coaching as well. So uh, trying to help people hone and develop their communication skills. I love it. Well, let's let's jump in and, and just do just that. Um, so now, interesting, um, a lot of people, you know, oftentimes we there's very, I should say, very rarely do we find someone who can think completely on their feet. Normally it's, <laughs> uh, oh, I wish I would have said that, right? Like days later even. So what do you think is the the biggest or maybe one of the biggest reasons on why we can't just say it and think on our feet? <laughs> Well, I think the biggest thing is people get very nervous, right? Anxiety looms large yeah. in all communication, especially spontaneous communication. And part of that anxiety yeah. is innate. Uh, as human beings, we get nervous when we're speaking in front of others. And the added pressure of having to think about what we're saying in the moment makes it worse. Mm. On top of that, we layer on this desire to do it right. We want to give the best answer, the best feedback, be <laughs> yeah. the most interesting in small talk. We, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, which works against us. So it's fraught with anxiety. It's fraught with pressure. Yet we can learn to manage the anxiety. We can change the way we approach these situations to actually reduce the pressure so that we perform better. Yeah. I would love to hear how we do that. And <laughs> well, I will tell you too. Book. No, I'm happy to watch I, it. I, <laughs> In addition to reading the book, right. which I absolutely agree is a must do. Yes. I know for a lot of us, and certainly for me, the very first time that I spoke, and I, I'm a facilitator, I do this quite a bit. The anxiety that I met, especially in the moments before I was getting ready to present, it was overwhelming. I mean, I was the kind of person who's out back taking these deep breaths, hoping I don't pass out before it begins. <laughs> what, what are some of the strategies that someone might be able to employ as they're thinking ahead, as they're thinking about that preparation? For speaking. Yeah. And I love, I love that you're talking about preparation. Uh, this whole approach, mm -hmm. this whole, the whole book, the methodology 
is full of counterintuitive ideas. And one of these counterintuitive ideas is that you can prepare to be spontaneous. And that sounds weird mm. when we think about it in terms of communication, but in many other aspects of our lives, we absolutely prepare to be spontaneous. If any of you have ever played a sport before, you know that you do a lot of drills and practice so that in the game, which is spontaneous, you can respond well. So there are a few things that we can do to help ourselves. A lot of these have to do with mindset and some of them have to do with anxiety management. So let me just briefly cover some of these and I'm happy to dive deeper. We have to tackle anxiety first. It looms large and it has a huge impact on all communication. 85% of people report feeling nervous in high stakes communication situations. And I think the other 15% are lying. I think we could create a situation that makes <laughs> them too. nervous as well. So we need to address anxiety. And there are really two ways to do it. You have to focus on symptoms and then sources. Symptoms are the things that we experience and sources are the things that initiate or exacerbate our anxiety. Let me give you just one example of each. Deep belly breathing is perhaps the best thing you can do to manage anxiety symptoms. It slows down your heart rate. It slows down your speaking rate. It can reduce some of the shakiness. So if you've ever done yoga or Tai Chi where you've done deep belly breaths, critical. And the most important part, by the way, is the exhale. All the magic happens during the exhale, not the inhale. So the rule of thumb, or if you'll allow me, the rule of lung is you want your exhale to be <laughs> twice as long as your inhale. That's a mm. symptomatic relief. And there are many, many others. And I'm happy to point people to resources that'll share other symptomatic relief. In terms of, oh, that's a great, yeah. One. In terms of sources, many of us get nervous because of the goal we're trying to achieve. When we communicate, we have a goal. Maybe if it's, you're my students, you want to get a good grade. If you're an entrepreneur, you want to get funding. You might want to get support for your project or idea. So what's making us nervous is not achieving our goal. In other words, a potential negative future outcome. So the way to short circuit that is to be present oriented. If I'm in the moment focused on this conversation and not worried about the goal, I'll be less nervous. So how do we get present oriented? Well, you can do something physical, walk around the building, have a conversation with somebody, do like an athlete, listen to a song or a playlist. Start at 100 and count backwards by some challenging number like 17s. That'll get you present oriented. So these are some of the things we can do to help us prepare by managing anxiety. There are other mindset shifts I'm happy to talk about as well. But the bottom line is this. We can prepare to be spontaneous by first reducing anxiety and second by looking at the ways we approach these circumstances. I love it. I and I want to. Uh, I have a question to ask, but I'm still counting. Just seventeen. <laughs> You're better than I am. I can get to eighty three, and I can't do what comes after that. So very good. Very good. Yeah, yeah, I didn't get past eighty three either. Uh, <laughs> but I love um, in your book, and I've I've heard you mention it in a few of your videos too on dare to be dull. Yes. And I just love that. Can you share a little bit more? Yeah. About that? So, so I, 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 in the new book, I've, I've evolved it. Dare to be dull is a concept that comes from the world of improvisation. So when I was creating this methodology that the book captures, it's a six step, step process that helps people feel more comfortable and confident in spontaneous speaking situations. And, and this whole thing came about, uh, about 10 years ago, the deans of the business school at Stanford came to me and said, we have a problem. Our very bright business school students are struggling to answer cold calls. You remember cold calls where the professor says, what do you think? 
And so they came to me and they said, as the communication guy, can you help them work on this? And so I did a deep dive into lots of areas of research, psychology, anthropology, neuroscience, and improvisation. And in the world of improv, they have lots of great concepts that can help us be better and more confident in the moment. And one is dare to be dull. Many of us, when we communicate, we want to do it right. We want to do it the best way we can. And that puts so much pressure on us. So I've evolved this to be this concept of maximizing mediocrity. So in the book I talk about, we need to maximize mediocrity, which means just focus on getting the job done and not judging and evaluating how well you're doing it. When we turn the volume down, on judging and evaluating, we actually free up cognitive bandwidth. We only have so much cognitive resources we can bring to any one interaction. It's like your computer or your phone. You can only run so many apps and windows at one time before it just completely grinds to a halt. Our brains work the same way. And if I am constantly judging and evaluating everything I say, it means I have less bandwidth to focus on what I'm saying. So it's about connection, not perfection. That's what dare to be dull means. Mm. That's what maximize mediocrity means. And the amazing thing is when you're dull, when you're mediocre, you have more resources so you can actually communicate better. So the whole saying I tell my students on the very first day of our class is maximize your mediocrity so you can achieve communication greatness. And they understand it after we dissect it like we just did. So Don't put all that pressure on yourself to get it right. Just get it done. And in so doing, you're going to do it better. I love the permission that that gives us as we're thinking about how we're bringing ourselves into conversations and how we're communicating. It also sounds like a great strategy for course correction. You know, in those moments where you're feeling pretty overwhelmed during a conversation or a presentation, as so many of us offer. Yes. I'm curious, too, uh, as we're thinking about aspects of communication, it's easy to focus on the communication itself, the talking, the listening. I'm wondering how nonverbal communication factors in. Is Does that have a role as we're thinking a little bit about how we're thinking and communicating on our feet? Absolutely, it does. Uh, your nonverbal presence means a lot. In fact, there are some people who believe your nonverbal presence actually speaks louder than your words. So we do have to be mm. thinking about how we use our bodies and our voices. One of the biggest ways we signal confidence and competence, trustworthiness, is through how we present ourselves. And so there's some fundamental rules that we should use. Everybody is different. You have to find what works for you. But there's some general principles I'd like people thinking about. Ultimately, when it comes to nonverbal presence, I am all about turning habits into choices. Choose what you want to do. Don't just rely on what you have always done. So let me give you three principles that really can matter in terms of nonverbal presence. First, you want to be big with your body. Uh, Being small conveys uncertainty, anxiety, nervousness. So simply taking your shoulder blades, your scapula, and pulling them down make you broader. I'm not putting my elbows back. I'm not puffing my chest out. I'm just pulling my shoulder blades down. That makes me look broader. So when I'm standing or sitting, I just pull those out. I look bigger. Second, we want to gesture. Gestures are normal and natural. We just want our gestures to go beyond our shoulders. Many of us, when we get nervous, we make ourselves small and we gesture in front of ourselves. Pull the shoulder blades back and just gesture slightly beyond your shoulders and it makes you look more confident. And then finally, we want to make sure that we vary our voice. 
when we speak slowly and in a monotone way, it is not only boring, it is disengaging. Our brains are wired for variation, for change, for novelty. So I want to make sure that my voice has some variation in it. Now, I don't want to over-exaggerate. If you are somebody who tends to be a little flatter when you speak, add emotive words, adjectives and adverbs. We have to go back to our high school English to remember those. But I would never, <laughs> I would never say I'm really excited to be here. No, I'd say I'm really excited to be here. I'm emphasizing those descriptive words, and that makes a big difference. Oh, I love that. Now, what else do you want? Obviously, people need to go read the books, both of them. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and watch the videos. And I love all the resources that you have. But um, what do you want? What else would you like our listeners or viewers to know about today? A few things I think are really important. One is first and foremost is that communication is really critical to success in business and in our personal lives. So to put a priority on working on communication is critical. And the only ways yeah. that you get better at communication are three things, repetition, reflection, and feedback. You have to practice. I am a huge supporter of Toastmasters, of listening to mm -hmm. podcasts, taking classes. We have to give ourselves opportunities to practice and learn. We then have to reflect. After we communicate, we need to think about what worked, what didn't work. Many of us, when it comes to our communication, operationalize that, that definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different <laughs> results. You need to reflect what worked, what didn't work. And more importantly, yeah. you need to ask others and get feedback. So by doing those three things, you will improve your, your, your communication. That's number one. Number two, we have to uh, take the time to comment and help others develop their communication as well. If somebody does something that you're really impressed by or is really helpful, let them know. I think at the end of every meeting we have, we should spend 30 seconds commenting on the quality of the communication in that meeting, not rehashing what was said. But I might say, hey, it was really valuable when you paraphrase that earlier point. It really got us back on target. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's rewarding. That's helping people learn that paraphrasing is useful. So those are some foundational principles. We're in this together. Communication is a coordinated act. In fact, the word communication derives from making common. It's about interacting with others. Mm -hmm. We need to help ourselves and help others to improve. And like you said, there are lots of resources that I have put out there that others put out there to, to really help. Can you share a little bit about how to access those? Those oh, sure. Know. Absolutely. The, 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 the single best place to go for, for my resources is my mattabrahams.com. I have a whole section on resources on various topics, speaking in the moment, managing anxiety, meetings, lots of other things. Uh, I'm a big user of LinkedIn. I post a lot on LinkedIn. I'd love for people to follow uh, and, and engage in the conversation that way. And then uh, the podcast I host, Think Fast, Talk Smart. It's for Stanford's Graduate School of Business, exclusively about communication, bite-sized episodes like yours, really trying to be practical and tactical to help people develop their communication. Nice. That's fantastic. And I'm really glad you mentioned feedback as part of preparation as part of practicing as you know really part of the process because i think it is very helpful not just when you identify things people are doing but also let them know that gives them that great confidence that they need as they're thinking about how they can become great communicators as well yeah. it's very helpful to think on your feet and as we wrap up today we have 
three final sure. questions that may encourage you <laughs> to think a little bit on your sure. feet, which, you know, is just very appropriate. Every, uh, every episode <laughs> includes, uh, three rapid fire style questions. We give you about 60 seconds or so to answer them. Tell us what you think. Um, and that gives us a little bit of additional information as we move to wrap up. So what do you think? Ready for a little wrap? Uh, let's see if I can think fast and talk smart. Let's hope I can. I think I have a feeling you can. Okay, let's, 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 let's see. Test it out. Let's so, see. <laughs> oh, dare to be dull. This is <laughs> That's good. exactly right. <laughs> First question for you today. Give us one book that everyone must read and why. I'm going to give you two. Because uh, I can't distinguish between the two. It's like my my kids. I can't say I love one more than the other. Um, the first <laughs> book fair. is Made to Stick by Dan and Chip Heath. It is, to my mind, one of the best ways to help people think about their communication because we live in a world where attention is the most precious commodity. And this book will help you yeah. figure out how to make your messages have good attention and engagement. The second book is called Improv Wisdom by Patricia Ryan Madsen. Mm. This book fundamentally changed my life. It's about how you can apply improvisational ideas to everyday life. It's not about performing improv. It's about how do you take those notions and apply them to your life. If you were to read these two books, you'd be on your way to becoming a better communicator for sure. Have to agree. You've mentioned two of my favorites. Yes. Really good choice. Thank you. Second, second question for you. What is one tool that you can't live without? So this is really geeky. I use a tool called Superhuman. <laughs> it is a tool that sits on top of uh, email and it allows me to be much more productive with email. I get a ton of email and I like responding. I like connecting with people, but it takes a lot of time. This tool expedites that. I'm about 30% faster using this tool called Superhuman. It really helps me. Well, that's one I don't know. Can't wait yeah. to look into that. I think that could be a new one for many of us. Great. All right. Last question for you today. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Uh, I've been given lots of advice. And as a podcast host, I actually <laughs> ask people for advice. So I've heard lots of things, but I'm going to refer back to advice my mother gave me and continues to give me to this day. It's very simple. It's all about how to be more clear and concise. And she said, when you're communicating, tell the time, don't build the clock. And I think if all of us <laughs> remind ourselves that we are time givers, not clock builders, it will help us be more effective in our communication. I oh, love that's that beautiful. advice. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, thank you so much for joining us today. This Matt. was a true pleasure. Thank you. I love your energy. I appreciate the opportunity to be with you. Thank you. Oh, uh, and of course, we want to thank our viewers and listeners for joining us today. Before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Do you need consultant services? The Metro DC chapter of ATD has many talented members. Go to dcatd.org and check out our consultants directory under the resources menu option. Want to network with other chapter members? Join the Metro DC chapter of ATD members on LinkedIn today. 